Welcome to the Clinical Podcast Series brought to you by the American Academy of Optometry Foundation. The topic for today's episode is telefraction in tele-eye care settings. I'd like to thank our host, Dr. Ruth Hyatt, who's also our topical editor for this issue. I'd like to also thank our topical expert, Dr. Nadine Furtado. And now it's my pleasure to begin today's podcast. Hi, I'm Ruth Hyatt, a fellow and diplomate of the American Academy of Optometry's Public Health and Environmental Vision section. This is the clinical podcast series. Our topical expert tonight is Nadine Furtado, a fellow of the Academy. Hey, Nadine, can you tell us a little about yourself? Hi, Ruth. Firstly, thank you for having me here today. Um, yes, so I'm um, a faculty member at the University of Waterloo School of Optometry. Um, where I'm also the head of our ocular disease and imaging service. And so in addition to just patient care and clinical education, um, I'm also involved in various research initiatives, including um, specifically research related to public health, um, telehealth, as well as health informatics. So um, very topical as far as the paper we're going to be discussing today. So let's look at the paper. Telerefraction in tele-eye care settings was published in January 2022 by Blay and colleagues. Can you just give us an overview of telehealth versus telemedicine and telerefraction? Sure. Um, so I would say the terms telehealth and telemedicine, although they're often used interchangeably, they're not exactly synonymous. Um, telehealth is probably more of that overarching umbrella term just used to describe any sort of healthcare information, healthcare delivery by means of telecommunications. Whereas when we're talking about telemedicine, it's specifically the delivery of healthcare services um, and clinical care via that um, sort of communicative technologies. Um, And then a subset of that would be sort of um, tele-eye care of which telerefraction is a subdivision. And so when we're using the term telerefraction, we're specifically referring to a refraction that's completed and then subsequently analyzed remotely, um, either synchronously or asynchronously. And just to get a a bit more into that, because when we do talk about telehealth, it can be further subdivided into both asynchronous as well as synchronous care. So the term um, asynchronous telehealth refers specifically to healthcare data that's um, collected and then subsequently reviewed. And so it's often referred to as store and forward. The information is collected and then reviewed at a later um, point in time by the provider or the clinician, um, as opposed to synchronous uh, telehealth, which is sort of done simultaneously in real time. And so there's that um, real-time interaction between the patient and the provider. Um, There's also another subset of telehealth called um, more of a hybrid telehealth, which is a combination of both that asynchronous and synchronous care. Okay, so getting into the study, what was the objective of this study? Um, So as we've all experienced over the past two years, just because of the pandemic, um, there's definitely been a larger increase as far as the intake of incorporating technology within healthcare, including eye care. Um, I would say prior to the pandemic, there was the use of telehealth, but definitely not to any um, significant extent. And then during obviously the pandemic, just because of the need to provide um, healthcare in a remote manner, there was that 
sort of uptake as far as inc incorporating technologies within various sectors of healthcare, including eye care. And so what the individuals of this study wanted to do was to see how uh, specifically when we're looking at refraction and telerefraction, how we've sort of um, been able to incorporate that within eye care. At the moment, there's no real um, standard as far as the incorporation of telerefraction within the eye care, within a standard eye care exam. And so the authors wanted to see what studies were out there um, just to be able to determine whether or not it's something that shows efficacy and effectiveness as far as the routine eye exam and, and determining that uncorrected refractive error. Okay, and so after reviewing the study, what were some of the main findings and the overall conclusions of this study? So there are a few different things that came out from the study. So this was a scoping review. Um, it was done in, the, uh, in August of 2021. Um, and then the results of the scoping review resulted in four, uh, sorry, 15 studies being included in the analysis. Um, one of the main findings that was found was that there's really three sort of scenarios under which telerefraction is used. The majority are just for sort of gen, um, gen, sorry, general eye care purposes. And then a subset are being done either for refraction only or for disease specific uh, screenings that are including this telerefraction component. Um, and then if we look specifically at the modalities, um, a, a small subset are that asynchronous model. So that store and forward model where the refractive data is collected and then subsequently reviewed. But a large majority, about two thirds of the study used more of that hybrid model. So a combination of both the asynchronous as well as the synchronous um, telehealth um, sort of setup. Um, so I think one of the challenges that the authors of the study faced is that a lot of the studies, uh, when they looked at the telerefraction, they didn't necessarily compare it to what we considered the gold standard, which would be that in-person refraction. And those studies that did do that, the endpoint they looked at was not necessarily statistical significance of the refractive error that was um, obtained and to see if there was any difference between the telerefraction versus the in-person. Most of the studies were just seeing whether both um, sort of modalities we're able to identify any uncorrected refractive error. And obviously from a clinical perspective, we're more concerned with determining whether that telerefraction model allows us to obtain the same magnitude of refractive error as opposed to whether it's just able to identify any refractive error. Um, one of the other objectives of this study was just to see patient satisfaction and see from a patient's perspective what they thought about the whole telerefraction setup. Um, from the studies that were included in, in this uh, scoping review, only a quarter of them actually looked at patient satisfaction. And for the most part, a lot of them did find that patients were happy with, with being able to have the service offered to them. But one thing to be mindful of is that a lot of these studies were done in areas where eye care was not necessarily easily accessible. And okay. so it was offering care where uh, access was an issue. There was one study that actually looked at patient satisfaction in areas where eye care access was maybe less of an issue. And they actually found that from a patient's perspective, they would actually prefer the in-person visit. So I think that's something that definitely needs to be further looked into as far as patients' perspectives and, and what they think about the whole um, telerefraction uh, tele component. Um, but I think overall, what was determined is that there are still quite a few gaps as far as our understanding of telerefraction and the role that it can potentially play within eye care. Okay, um, did you identify any concerns or limitations of the study? So I think that some of the limitations in the study were mentioned by the authors themselves. Uh, one of the main ones was that the initial 
analysis of the articles to include in the review were only done by one individual. So the innate bias that's, that's in that itself. Um, the other thing was then in addition to the automated review that was done of the, of the article database, they also did a manual review to see if they could identify any articles. And that manual review did in fact identify some additional articles to include in the scoping review. So I think that just points to the fact that their automated um, review of the database might not have been as comprehensive as it should have been. And so I think just overall, there, as the uh, authors concluded, there's insufficient evidence to definitively say that um, uh, remote refractions um, are either efficacious or efficient as far as eye care delivery. And if anything, it just points to the gaps in our knowledge at the moment and just the need for additional studies in order to better assess um, telerefraction, specifically comparing it to what we consider the gold standard to be, which is that in-office refraction. Yeah, that's a good point because, you know, telehealth is here to stay, telerefraction is gaining momentum, and it just underlines how important it is that we start to study this and understand it and understand how our patients perceive it and, and how it can be used to benefit patients and providers, especially in this, this new era of uh, the COVID pandemic. Uh, Nadine, I appreciate your insight and in reviewing this article, and I thank everyone for watching this episode of the Clinical Podcast Series. Thank you for having me. And a special thanks to Cooper Vision for their educational grant to make it all happen.